who laid down his life for our eternal freedom. I pray, Father, that you'd help us, show us a great truth. I pray that everyone here would be able to, when all is said and done in this service, may we be able to walk out the doors and say, uh, it's well with my soul. It's well with my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. 155 years ago this month, then-President Abraham Lincoln stood and gave a simple speech at a battlefield in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> that speech only took him a little over two minutes to give, and it was a speech of only about 275 words, not a lengthy speech at all. No one realized it at the time, but that speech became one of the most important speeches in American history. You and I simply know it as the Gettysburg Address. Tucked away about three-quarters of the way through that short speech, President Lincoln referred to the men who fought at Gettysburg, both Union and Confederate, as those who gave, and I quote, the last full measure of devotion for their country. The last full measure of devotion. This morning we salute these men and women who likewise put their lives on the line for the sake of freedom. I think about Brother Joe Vandeven, who as, I, as far as I know in listening to the, the men give the times they were in the service, Brother Joe, the only surviving World War II veteran in our church family. And boy, that's uh, what, what a blessing it is to have him with us. And uh, we salute, of course, his service as we do everyone's service. Some served in Korea, some served in Vietnam, some served in the Persian Gulf War, some have served in Iraq and Afghanistan and other places around the world. <clears throat> some served, perhaps not in an armed conflict, but nevertheless they served during the height of the Cold War when tensions with the former Soviet Union were so high that it seemed that war was inevitable. And regardless of when these served or what branch they served or whether it was wartime or peacetime, these men and women that we just honored this morning personified the character that President Lincoln described 155 years ago when he said they have given the last measure of devotion to their country. You see, when you enlisted, <clears throat> the future was uncertain. You didn't know what the future would hold. In a real sense, you laid down your life for the good of others. You laid down your life for those that you loved. And by the way, you laid down your life for those that you didn't love. You laid down your life for people you didn't know. You laid down your life. You signed on the dotted line. You committed yourself to that uh, to, to uh, X number of years of service to our country, and you had no idea what the future would hold. You had no idea uh, what uh, where you would go, or what you would do, or what uh, uh, conflict would flare up on the other side of the globe. You had no idea, but yet you signed up anyway. You did it for those that you loved, and you did it for those that perhaps you did not love. You did it for those that you agreed with politically, and you did it for those who you disagreed with politically. You did it for those with whom you had much in common, and you did it for those with whom you had very little in common. When you entered the service, you laid down your life for all of us, and this morning we say thank you. Had push come to shove, you would have given that last full measure of devotion for your country that President Lincoln talked about at Gettysburg over a century and a half ago. This morning, I want us to rewind history 
further back than the days of Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War conflict. But this morning, for a few moments, I want us to rewind history about 2,000 years to the passage that we just read a few moments ago where Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Here we see Jesus just a few hours before he would go to the cross and he's speaking to his disciples in what would be one of their last conversations before he was arrested and tried and crucified. He said in verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. What a statement. What a powerful statement. If I may borrow President Lincoln's quote, Jesus gave his last full measure of devotion for people that he referred to as, don't miss it, his friends. His friends. Jesus said, you're my friend. I lay down my life for you. I lay down my life for my friends, even friends who don't consider me their friends. I lay down my life for the agnostic and for the atheist. I lay down my life for the one who loves God with all of his heart, soul, and mind. And I also lay down my life for the man, the angry man who shakes his fist in the hand of God and defies him. He said, I lay my life down for those who love me, and I lay down my life for those who despise me. I came into my own, and my own received him not. Bear in mind, it was Jesus' own countrymen who had him put to death on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Keep in mind, the Bible says he came into his own, and his own received him not. Jesus said, I consider you my friend, because I laid down my life, and greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You see, Jesus was talking to the disciples when he said this, and certainly the, the disciples, Jesus considered himself to be a friend to the disciples, he called them to be with him for three and a half years in his ministry. He ate meals with them. He trained them to carry on the work after he would go uh, back to heaven. He prayed for them. He worked with them. He served others with them. He walked the dusty roads of Palestine with them. And no doubt Jesus loved them and was a friend to his disciples because he laid down his life for them. But before we go any further, let me just say one thing about friendship. You know, I can be your friend without you being a friend to me. Friendship need not be reciprocal. Now, it's wonderful if I befriend you and you befriend me. That works out really well. We all enjoy those kinds of friendships, don't we? When I am kind to you and you're kind and you reciprocate that kindness to me, when I befriend you and you reciprocate or give back that friendship to me, we all enjoy that. But you know what? Friendship doesn't have to be that way. Because Jesus said that a true friend will lay down his life for those that he would consider his friend, whether they return that friendship or not, whether they return that love or not. And may I say this morning, as we get into the message, that Jesus considered himself a friend to you and I. And as I look through the New Testament narrative, especially the gospel narrative, I find that Jesus considered, there are several people that Jesus actually spoke the word friend to them. You'll be surprised what you find. I want, you, I want to share with you something very interesting. Love and friendship is not always a two-way street. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6, the Bible says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Did you hear that? Christ died, not for the godly, the ungodly. 
Not for the good, the bad, and the good. The ungodly, the unholy, the unrighteous, the unthankful, the ungrateful, they were all the objects of Jesus' love and friendship. You say, preacher, why would he do that? He laid down his life for them too. In the early 1970s, it was a very difficult time in the history of our country. And it was shameful how some of our Vietnam veterans were treated when they came home by some ungrateful communist sympathizers at that time. It was unjust. It was uncalled for. It was ridiculous. It, they were called everything under, under heaven. And uh, all, all kinds of slanderous names were given to them. And uh, it, it was ridiculous. And thank God, since then, our country seems to have rectified that whole situation. And there's a, there's a newfound respect for those men, as well there ought to be. But understand something, those people that came home to chants of baby killers and chants of all kinds of, uh, of horrendous things that were said about those boys as they got off airplanes when they came back from Vietnam, what those people who were chanting obscenities at those men didn't understand that those men were fighting for their freedom to be able to express themselves in such a fashion. It's kind of what Jesus did for us. As Jesus stood there at Pilate's hall and Pilate washed his hands of the whole matter and he said, I can release to you Barabbas or I can release to you this Jesus who is called the Christ. And they said, give us Barabbas. He said, well, what shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? And they said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And what those people didn't know was that Jesus Christ would be crucified and he would be crucified not just for those who loved him, but he'd be crucified for those who hated him. Why? Because he considered the very people who were chanting crucify him, he considered him their friend. Amazing, isn't it? You see, I think about others in the gospel that were referred to as objects of Jesus' friendship, and I want to share them with you very quickly. First of all, there was Lazarus. Lazarus. You need not turn to it, but in John chapter 11 and verse 11, the Bible says, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Jesus here in John chapter 11 <coughs> is going back to where Lazarus had just died. Lazarus had passed away. And Jesus here in John chapter 11, verse number 11, refers to Lazarus as, quote, Our friend. Our friend, you say, preacher, what's significant about that? Lazarus was the epitome of the common man. There was nothing spectacular about Lazarus. There was nothing notable about Lazarus in his life, although he was friend to our Savior. There was nothing flashy about him. He was not a wealthy aristocrat of his day. Uh, he was not a man of means. He was just, if I may say, good old Lazarus. Good old Lazarus. Jesus said, our friend Lazarus. You say, preacher, what are you getting at? I believe it was President Lincoln who said, God surely must have loved the common man because he made so many of them. Lazarus represents the common man. May I say to all of us common folk out there, Jesus loves us because he made a whole lot of, of us. <laughs> Mark chapter 12 and verse number 37, the Bible says, And the common people heard him talking about Jesus gladly. You say, Preacher, I'm nothing special. I'm just your average Joe. And may I say to you average Joes out there, and there's a lot of us, Hey, you've got a friend in Jesus. You've got a friend in Jesus because Jesus said, Greater love had no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus laid down his life for you. 
Lazarus, he represents the common man. Jesus said, Lazarus, our friend, sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. You say, preacher, I'm just, uh, I'm nothing special. Jesus gave his last full measure of devotion for you. Jesus died on the cross for you. What more evidence do you need this morning? What more, uh, what what, what greater demonstration that God loves you this morning? Hey, uh, the Bible says, scarcely for a righteous man would one die. But the Bible says, but God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What does God have to do to get you to understand how much He loves you? If you could just grasp this morning that there is a God in heaven who loves, I'm not talking about the person next to you, though He does. I'm talking to you individually right now. If you could just grasp, if you could just wrap your mind around the fact that God in heaven loves you. Thought about that lately? Oh, preacher, you don't understand what I've done. Don't care what you've done. God loves you. Preacher, you don't know where I've been. Don't care where you've been. God loves you. You don't understand uh, what my background is. Don't care what your background is. Hey, there's a God in heaven who loves common people. And that's, uh, that describes pretty much all of us here this morning. He loved Lazarus, a common man. He loves you. I think about another person in the Bible that Jesus referred to as his friend. One of the most amazing stories in the New Testament in the book of Matthew, it's recorded Jesus was getting ready to be betrayed. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And as they were just finishing up praying, the Bible says that a man named Judas, in fact, he was one of the 12 disciples, Judas Iscariot, who had <coughs> uh, covenant and, and, and committed with the chief priests and scribes and Pharisees and, and made a deal with them and said, look, I'll give you Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And as they finished praying, Judas came into the garden with those Roman soldiers and chief priests and scribes and Pharisees. And in verse number 50 of Matthew 26, the Bible says, And Jesus saith unto him, talking directly to Judas, notice what he said, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Not only was Jesus a friend to the common man like Lazarus, Jesus was a friend to the one who betrayed him. The very one who, humanly speaking, was responsible for giving Jesus over to the hands of those who would crucify him, it was Judas. And Jesus, in his last word that we have recorded, that Jesus said to, 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 to Judas, the last sentence that Jesus said to Judas... Before he went to Calvary, friend, why'd you come? Friend. Wow, that's an amazing statement to me. Notice Jesus addresses him directly on what would be the last time they would meet face to face, and he called him his friend. Was Jesus a friend? Oh, I'm sorry, was Judas a friend to Jesus? Of course he was not. But was Jesus a friend to the one who betrayed him? Oh, yes, he was. Jesus did not call him traitor. Jesus did not call him turncoat. He said, friend. You see, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Lazarus, the common man, Jesus said, Lazarus, our friend, I lay down my life for Lazarus and all the other common people out there. I lay down my life for Judas, my friend, and every other enemy that, that, that I would have, anybody else who would set themselves against me. Jesus said, you may not love me, but I love you. You may not care anything for the things of God, but there's a God in heaven who cares for you. Greater love hath no man than this, 
that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for the common man like Lazarus. Jesus laid down his life for the traitor like Judas, the betrayer, Judas. But I want you to see this. The last friends of Jesus I want you to see in Luke chapter 7, verse number 34. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Jesus, the friend of Lazarus. Jesus, the friend of Judas. And Jesus, the friend of publicans and sinners. You say, what's so significant about that? You see, publicans in that day, they were hated by everybody. You see, publicans were tax collectors. They were thieves. They were they had a reputation for being dishonest. And then the term sinner, as used by the religious elite of Jesus' day, was referring to the off-scouring of society. The scum of the earth, if you will. The bottom of the scum bucket, if you will. So when, the, when it was said of Jesus that he was a friend of publicans and sinners, that was not meant to be a compliment. <laughs> That wasn't meant to be, hey, Jesus, go get him. Yeah, friend of the public. No, 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 that wasn't it at all. That was an insult. At least it was meant to be. But may I say, Jesus never corrected anybody who called him a friend of publicans and sinners. Anytime he was referred to as a friend of publicans and sinners, Jesus wore that badge with honor. You know why? Because Jesus loved publicans and sinners. Jesus loved the ones who were hated by everybody else. Jesus loved the ones who perhaps were dishonest in their dealings. Oh, he did not agree with what they did. In fact, Jesus hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Oh, you say, you say Jesus just, he just kind of condoned everything that everybody did that was bad. Oh, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. You see, my God is just and he's holy and he's pure and he's righteous. And Jesus, the pure, sinless son of God, he had to be that way so that he could bear my sins on the cross. But though he hated sin and though he had a, 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 a uh, uh, just a, a disdain for iniquity and, uh, and wickedness and unrighteousness, that same God loves sinner. I'm sure glad he does. Brother Dave, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Now I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner who has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. But notice, Jesus' reputation was friend of publicans and sinners. And I hasten this morning, the good news is, Jesus laid down his life for his friends. No greater love than that. Who were Jesus' friends? The disciples? Oh yes, those were Jesus' friends. He laid down his life for the disciples. Oh, who were Jesus' friends? The common people like Lazarus? You better believe it. Jesus loves common people, and he laid down his life for his friends, the common man. Oh, who were Jesus' friends? Uh, Judas the betrayer? Really? Jesus would call Judas his friend? As hard as it is to believe, yes, Jesus loves even those who have no use for him. He laid down his life for them because he counts them as friends. Publicans and sinners? Oh yes, Jesus loves publicans and sinners. You know, you could kind of boil it down and say this. If you're living and breathing this morning, Jesus counts you as his friend. I think we pretty much covered the gamut. The disciples, they loved Jesus. He loved them. Judas, he betrayed Jesus. Didn't change anything. Jesus loved Judas. Uh, Lazarus, the common man. Jesus loved the common man. 
Uh, publicans and sinners, the all-scouring of society, the people that nobody would have anything else to do with, the people that everybody else would shun. I think about the woman in the well, the woman, uh, the woman at the well, the, the woman of Sychar, the Samaritan, the people that were hated of the Jews. Yep, she was Jesus' friend. You can't pick up one person out of that book right there and say, Jesus didn't love them. You can't point to one individual in the gospel narrative of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and say, well, <clears throat> yeah, Jesus kind of, he kind of set him aside. Now, did he put some people in their place every once in a while? Oh, yeah, he did. But there was nobody he didn't love. There was no one he didn't care about because there was no one that he didn't die for. Because greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We just honored about... 30 men and women, 30 plus men and women, who at some point decided, you know what, I love my country so much that I'm going to put my life on the line. I don't know what your motivation was for joining the military, but when the rubber meets the road, you put your life on the line. The only thing that I can think of that's greater than that is the good God of heaven who would send His only begotten Son to come to this earth to lay down His life for His friends. And may I say, you're His friend. Whether you consider Him to be a friend of yours or not, He considers Himself to be your friend. So much so that He would die on a cross. So much so that He would go through the torments of the crucifixion to pay for your sins so that you could go to heaven one day. You know, if a friend would do that for me, I think it's just the least that I can do to say thank you. You know the greatest thing you could do for the one who laid down his life for you? You know, we just honored 30 people thereabouts, and we said thank you because they laid down their life for us. Doesn't it just make sense that all of us, at some point in our life, ought to look at the one who laid down his life for us, Jesus Christ, and say, you know what? The least I can do is say yes to Jesus. You know what you can do for God today? Accept his son as your savior. That's something that you can do to say thank you to the Lord. Something you can do to look at the great God of heaven who gave his son to die for you and say, yes! Yes, I received Jesus. Yes, I want to go to heaven. Yes, I want my sins to be forgiven. Yes, I want... You say, well, 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 pastor, if Jesus did all of that for me, then what's my responsibility? You see, Jesus isn't going to force himself on you. Yes, he made salvation available to you by laying down his life and by being buried and being raised again from the dead after, the, after three days. He made salvation available to you, but he will not force himself on you. You've got to say yes to Jesus. You've got to receive Him. But as many as received Him, the Bible says, to them gave me power to become the sons of God, even to them, don't miss it, that believe on His name. You've got to receive Christ. If you have any hope of eternal life. You know, as I prepared for the message today, the thought keeps coming back to me. What a shame it would be for those men and women who put their lives on the line for our physical freedom to die without Christ and go to a devil's hell for eternity. What a tragedy that would be. What a tragedy that would be. Yes, we brought you here this morning to honor you. But even beyond that, 
we want to tell you about somebody who laid down his life for you. And we invite you. In fact, not just we. The good God of heaven invites you to receive his son, Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. We're just about done. And I appreciate your